88 hours? Last week was 72. It's the life of law enforcement or first responding in general. No, it's right? just having two jobs. Well, yeah. Isn't it like at least you're working like a, I don't want to say a job job, but you're doing, you're doing a pretty hard job, you know, working fast food, working with people literally every hour of your, whether it's fire or it's cooking sandwiches, you're working with people. And it's a hard thing. And I think both can translate to both. Have you noticed that? Maybe people skills in general? Yeah, definitely the people skills and talking to people because <clears throat> we're, we're diving right into this. Diving right in. All right. So, damn, I don't even know where to start. So, yeah, but I mean, the people skills definitely like translates over to the fire service just because, you know, I'm, ta- I'm doing right. Reg- I do multiple positions. Right. So, I'll well, register. I don't want to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you. Go but ahead. You've worked like the food service before you worked fire. Would yeah. you say that the food service helped you with the, your people skills in fire more than fires helped you with people skills in food? Because mm. for me personally, like the confidence of working with adults, my whole 12 hour shift, sometimes 16 hour shifts, um, has boosted my confidence in terms of talking to people at any point. You know, like, I could have random conversations with people at the store now and not feel awkward just because I'm like, dude, I, I talk to ranges of people at work every day i say they both helped each other because i mean first of all like working in fast food and working with talking to different people and like in constant on the move definitely i was a shy person growing up so it's de- definitely helped me grow out of my shell and learn how to talk to people right and that no skills translate over to the fire service because when i'm talking to patients or talking to other people i know how to have conversation and then vice versa how working in the fire service helps me with my second job working like a restaurant is i don't know it's just um i'd say like how do i explain it it's kind of like actually having that conversation right like you understand where these people are coming from because you see not the same people but in general just people on a regular day-to-day basis you know probably the happiest they're going to be because they come in at lunch to get food or dinner Mm -hmm. to get food and then you deal with other people that are maybe not necessarily their best days or their best times, right? Oftentimes, you're running into people's worst days. Yeah. That's our life, right? Like, Mm -hmm. your life is you're dealing with people's worst days. So I would assume that you being able to see both sides, you know, the regular person on a regular basis emotionally versus broken down, probably the worst they're going to feel in a long time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting. But another thing that I was going to say is, like, you know, oftentimes firefighters work two jobs, I think it's because the pay isn't necessarily the best in first responding in general, but for firefighters, definitely not the greatest in a lot of areas. Um, I think it's, it just depends on the department you're at and right. where you're located. I mean, bigger departments are going to be paid better or compared to like a small rural town department. Right, of course. Um, but I, I think well, firefighters have two jobs. It's just because of the work schedule. I mean, you have mm-hmm. like a whole day off and then that's what a lot of people do like real estate or just do their own business on the side just to keep themselves busy and just to make a little extra money so if that's the case why do they burn out so quickly because the burnout rate of a firefighter is like like that is it just the emotional aspect not necessarily the physical aspect because like like i said where i was going to go with that is i've talked to other fire instructors when i was at the academy mm-hmm. and a lot of them did like lawn businesses at some point of their day right yeah. like they would mow lawns on their days off because they would work at 24 go mow like five lawns, get some sleep, and then go work another 24, whatever yeah. it might be, right? Yeah. Their, whatever their schedule was. But they always burned out super quickly. And a lot of them, unfortunately, don't have much time after they retire. I'm not sure why. I mean, there's numerous different reasons why people burn out. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, having that extra job is 
just being a firefighter in the first place on it itself is already a stressful and hard job. Mm-hmm. Well, not it, it's taxing. Is I think is a better word. It's mentally and physically taxing. I mean, depending on the department you're at, like some departments are busier than others. If you're at a slower department, obviously it's not going to be as taxing because you're not constantly going. But if you're at a busy department, it's definitely mentally and physically taxing. I mean, I feel it. I like right now. I did not want to come in today. I'm not going to lie. I had a busy night. I got off this morning. Didn't really get much sleep, and then went home. Yeah. Yeah. Went home, took a quick thirty-minute nap. Yeah, now I'm here, and I'm just gonna go. I think it's just yeah. finding ways to decompress, and knowing yourself is very important as well. Like knowing ways, it's just like how how you function and how your body works. Like some people, like when they get off, all you need is sleep, and they're good to go. Right, and then, well, we're gonna get into that too, because yeah. I I, sp- I saw some things that were really interesting to me in terms of like the mental health aspect and just the physical aspect in general of firefighting but one thing i honestly thought of is i work 12 hour shifts overnight mm-hmm. right which to some people might be difficult you work a 12 24 hour shift and yes people make the jokes that you get to sleep and hang out with your buddies yeah but honestly i feel like that's kind of worse because i feel like if i were to go to sleep knowing that i could wake up at any point of the night i'm not really going to be able to get sleep you know like i might be able to sleep for an hour or two but it's really not quality so it's more of just like a a rest right not actually like energy wise you're getting your sleep and you're building it up and oftentimes you're waking up like you said eight times in the middle of the night um i understand what you're saying i, w- I was like that at first i mean i'm only i'm less than a year onto the job i'm only right. seven i'm about seven months in um on the field but at first like my first couple of shifts like at night i would wake up at any little sound thinking it's a tone dropping just mm-hmm. like if someone's phone vibrated like i, I shoot up just because i don't want to oversleep the call you know like yeah. sleep through a call um i just didn't want to have that reputation or like have a bad name for myself just starting off as in as the as the new intern because i was yeah. uh, i started off in the intern position with the department i'm currently with um so like the first couple of shifts were rough because at night I was just like waking up at every little call and just for a little more detail like um at the firehouse I'm at we sleep in one big open room very traditional like we're not like we don't right. each have our own room it's just one big room all the beds so like it's very traditional old style and at, like you said like I was not getting good sleep but then like just as time went on you get more comfortable and the guys at least at my department they're not going to let you sleep through the call they will, they'll wake you up so it's just like you rest, but then when you get waking up, you just kind of get used to it, honestly. Okay. is the best way I could put it. You get used to it, and right. then you just, some nights, you sleep all night. Some nights, you don't hit the bed once. It's just, it's not, it's out of your hands, so why, the way I look at it is like, it's out of my hands. I can't control how much sleep I'm getting tonight. I'm not going to worry about it when the call comes. Control the controllables. Yeah, I don't stress about I used to stress about it really hard, and yeah. I used to be really anxious at first, but as time has gone on with me, the department I just learned it's out of my control. I can't control it. I could just be prepared for what comes, mm-hmm. and then do do my job and not mess up when that when the time comes and when uh, when it matters. But as long as how much sleep I get, I don't care. I'm I'm up every call. Let's go. Nice, dude. Yeah, when evil comes, you gotta you gotta serve, or when you need to help someone. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we don't know who you are yet. And I haven't even introduced the show yet. So yeah. this is On Duty Raw. 
And this is episode two here with Juan Garcia. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Who are you? Give me your pass down. Well, as you introduced me, my name is Juan. I'm 21 years old. I've known Isaac for how many years now? Five, six, seven? I don't know. Uh, at least, I think, six or seven, right? At least six or seven. Yeah. Um, Like I like pretty much been talking, I've just been on with the department for seven months. Started off as an intern. Uh, my internship was six months long. Ended at the six-month mark. They liked me, kept me on as a reserve, not full-time. So I just pretty much... I'm a volunteer. I get to pick the days I want to work. Um, just do 24-hour shifts um, whenever I can. I try to do at least two a week, two to three shifts a week. Mm-hmm. On top of having a, another job, which I work in a restaurant and just do sandwiches. Nothing crazy. I mean, the job is super part-time. It they're really flexible, which is which is nice. So I'm making s- some money on the side. Yeah, yeah, on the side. Um, just keeping myself busy between the two jobs is pretty much all I do. Um, how deep do you want me to go with like honestly we could go as deep as you want so obviously fire is why you're here right this is why i invited you because we're yes. going to talk about your fire career up to this point up mm-hmm. to this point right but what has actually led to that right what take me back to i don't know as far as you want to go childhood juan coming up to this point well growing up i always knew i wanted it to be in the service which service you may ask i could I didn't know growing up. I never really knew. It, I was always a, admired the service, whether it's military, uh, law enforcement, or fire. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I just knew that was something I was, I was going to do one day. Um, I actually had an incident when I was, geez, I don't remember how old that was. It was probably like fifth grade, I want to say, um, okay. with my grandparents where it was just, us two, or my two, my two grandparents and me in my house at the my house, um, by ourselves. This is pretty much me like the backstory of what led me to the, the fire. Um, my grandparents came from Mexico, so they don't really speak much English. They're visiting, um, and then my parent. I forgot where my parents went. It was just us two and them two and me. And then my grandpa ended up having a medical emergency. I honestly don't really remember what happened. I was. I was just young Too and young. don't really didn't really understand and fully grasp and then the concept of what was going on. But uh, just to make it a quick story, I ended up calling nine one one. I was just being a little kid and then I was watching the first responders come in. First on scene was fire and then EMS came in and just watching that unfold at a young age kind of like really opened up my eyes and gained a profound respect for just first responders in general right. and then ever since then I, I feel like that was like the moment that decided okay I think I know what I want to do and then you go through high school and then I was like I, I want to do this but I was like wishy-washy I was like do I really want to do this and then graduated a couple of years later I do a I did a fire academy after fire academy went to through an EMT, EMT program because my fire academy did not have EMT it was just strictly uh, firefighter one did that and then now I'm here with the department. Finished my internship almost two months ago now. Now I'm a reserve. So, so you've been a firefighter for less than a year. Less than a year. You've also had some volunteer time, though, with other departments, right? Just kind yeah. of learning some of the ropes. Yeah, but I don't really consider that. Right, but mm-hmm. it's still learning, right? It's still mm-hmm. part of the process that a lot of people have to take. Yeah. So why fire, though? Out of everything you could have picked, what? why fire? 
I was I don't know I just the come on like just the bond between everyone was just I think what mainly attracted me is having that brotherly bond I mean I don't have any brothers so growing up I always used like sports teams that I played on friends from school like I made that connection as, like with them to be my brothers just to fill in that gap of not having any brothers to really form that bond and then I just really liked that and, and that's what I chased and that's Why what not be a cop? Uh, I think it's better enough. fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah I wouldn't blame you so obviously you grew up you want you became a firefighter and one of the next questions I was going to ask is what did you want to be when you were a kid so you kind of answer that you know you knew yeah. that you wanted to be serve the community in some way right either mm -hmm. the country or just the community you live in did you prefer the community that you live in you know as in like our local area rather than being shipped off somewhere and not knowing where you're going to be growing up I think I, I wouldn't have cared where I'd gone but now as I get older and like just being raised in the area I think now I'm getting older I'd like to serve the community just the general mm -hmm. area that I'm in right when I was I younger, I think that's probably, most of us. Yeah. yeah, when I was younger, that probably would not, I didn't care. I wouldn't send me gun anywhere, to be yeah. honest. That's cool. So, based off your story and kind of the people that you talked to already in the fire service, like the people that you know personally or mm -hmm. you've met in the academy, would you say that your story is any different? Do you think you've heard maybe similar stories in terms of why you ended up where you were at? I think a lot of people start off because it's a cliche, like, I want to save lives, like, is that cliche answer you the know the cliche why right like oh yeah. i'm gonna protect my community and i want to yeah i get what oh, you're saying excuse me yeah no, i think everyone pretty much starts out the same right do you think it's that same question that they ask themselves the why rather than what are they doing because mm. i think the why is what most people ask right but they misunderstand the why from what i found when i what i found when you ask the why question why are you doing this i don't think people really understand what why means because why is something more internal, right? It's a feeling, like an obligation that you mm -hmm. have to do a certain thing. But when you ask, what are you doing here? It kind of stumps people. And all I mean by that is uh, fire has a code of ethics, just like law enforcement has a code of ethics. So when you ask, what are you doing here in the fire service? What does that mean to you? Because I'll tell you what it means to me, right? Mm -hmm. When someone says, what are you doing here in law enforcement? First thing I think of is not like, oh, well, I do this because I want to save lives, although that comes with the job, right? But mm -hmm. what are you actually doing here? And just to give you a little analog analogy before I explain, right? If you ask a bricklayer, three different bricklayers, what are you doing? One of them is going to say, I'm making $5 an hour, right? What are you doing here? I'm making $5 an hour. The other one is going to say, what are you doing here? I'm laying brick. You ask the third one, what are you doing here? Oh, well, sir, I'm building the best castle that's ever going to be made in the entire history of the world. Right. So when you ask me, what am I doing in law enforcement? I'm not going to give you the I'm making $30 an hour. I'm not going to give you the oh, well, I'm doing a job. I'm going to give you the I'm here so I can build the best community that has ever been here in the entire world. Mm -hmm. I feel like you probably think the same way, but most people don't understand that question. So when I say, what are you doing in the fire service? What are you doing? Man, you completely blindsided me by that question. But honestly, like <laughs> my like just my first thought was, well, just like any fire department goal is three main things is to protect life property and the environment the best way that you can and you know just by training hard right being the best and being dialed in your training 100 percent. i mean it's constantly improving yourself constantly too. improving the, the second you stop or you think you know everything is this 
second that you should retire, honestly. Shoot, I, I think that's the worst thing for anyone. I think in most cases, if you don't go into a field like this, and it's horrible if you get to that mm -hmm. point in a field like this, because that's going to leave you dead or one of your brothers dead, yeah. brothers or sisters. And I think a big mistake many people make is they think like your education stops when school stops. Yeah. So a lot of people stop at high school and then they're like, well, I'm done here. Time to go get a job and work for the rest of my life or for some people college. Right. And then that's it. But what they don't understand is you got to slowly keep moving that needle forward, improving yourself in some mm -hmm. type of way, especially in this field. Yeah. Like I just keep telling myself every time before I get on shift, just get 1% better. Just 1%. every shift, just, Move just, that get, needle, right? just get a little bit better. Learn something new or experiment. You know, do something new. Learn think, something yeah. new every, every shift. And that's my goal. And graduating from the academy, I mean, I'm really green in the field and mm -hmm. I know that. And I, I try to be as humble as I can be and keep my mouth shut, keep my ears open and just listen and try to absorb as much as I can, be a sponge, soak up the information from right. um, my quote unquote, my coworkers, like my, bro there, my right? brothers, as I refer to them at the department. Yeah. Um, just because they have more time and they have more experience and they're better at those things than me. And they've been there and done that. They've been there sense. and done that, exactly. And you you understand, like, you graduate from academy, you're like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. You could go out in the field. You don't. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And it's just like, I graduated from the academy. I was like, okay, I got this skills down. I was like, I got this. Yeah. You go out in the field, and I was like, I don't got this. Like, this is completely different. Um, they teach you the books, but in reality, the books are consistent. People aren't. So you never know what you're going to get every time you mm -hmm. go out there and put on that uniform. Exactly. And that's, that's what I love about the job is that's my favorite part is having the, having a different shift, every shift, not every shift's mm -hmm. the same. I love the diversity of it. I, I right. think that's probably one of my favorite parts easily. Right. The system is usually the same because you mm -hmm. need the same system. Obviously like the way you respond and do the job, but you always have a different experience, right? There's always someone new to talk to. Mm -hmm. Every call's different. Yeah. You learn something new, like, I'm just gonna. I'm just throwing out examples like, oh, if the patient is stuck right here, okay, let's try this method of getting them out. Right. Okay, but that doesn't work. Okay, that method may not work on a different house because the house layout's different, or mm -hmm. you have different like, I don't know, like furniture in the way. You gotta like move things. I don't know. I I just like that right. part a lot. Just constantly like thinking and, okay, how can I? It's just adapting and overcoming is right. what it is all the time. And I was like, okay, how can I adapt to this? All right okay, this worked for me last time. Okay, maybe it's not going to work for me right now. Okay, what what, what else could I use that I've done in the past or and what's that's, something yeah. new that I haven't thought of that my captain's like, oh, do this. And I'm like, okay, I didn't think about that because yeah. he has that time and he has that experience. I would say the ability to pivot in mm -hmm. this field of work is incredibly important because if you're, if you're coming out of the academy, like this is how it's done. And when it doesn't go that way, which it's probably not going to go that way, oh, yeah. you don't know what to do, right? You mm -hmm. lose your shit. But if you keep the same basic principles in place, save this person life you're gonna figure out a way yeah. right it doesn't have to be by the book every time as long as you get it done mm -hmm. you get it done yeah mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit more about your academy life because i know that's obviously a big part you were there for a while and i knew it was a it was a special experience for you yeah i mean honestly the academy feels like forever now but even though it's well, it's kind of a while ago right it's coming up on a year since i graduated yeah. from my academy but it was 12 weeks long i mean 12 hour days you get there early in the morning say you start pt at six in the morning do pt do pt from like six to seven and then after that you shower get ready for class or be outside doing drills all day depending on the day 
um and yeah you just go through class you get lectured or if you're not doing that you're outside all day you go outside all day do drills um long days but definitely formed bonds that i think will last me my whole life um still really close with my uh academy mates i still talk to them i hang out with them um at least the ones that are local because a lot of them came from different parts of the state or even out of state for some of them i still keep in contact with them and i still like catch up with them every once in a while make sure they're doing good you know everyone's progressing in their career and they've got hired on full-time with other departments so for someone right now who's listening who's maybe thinking of going to the academy Mm -hmm. or possibly just started how would you explain it to them in terms of maybe the system you went through exactly day a day in a life of the academy so day in a life i mean get physically fit with and cardio get your cardio in shape get in check and lift overall weights. fitness overall yeah. fitness yeah i mean as much as i hate crossfit cross crossfit works the best yeah. it, like functional training functional there we go functional training. functional training is uh, i realize works best with the job just like doing crossfit right. and stuff like that um it's just translates the best instead of doing like bodybuilder training or like power lifting which don't yeah. get me wrong it's all it's has fun. It, it's fun it has its benefits to the job but to truly get like the the best like you have to be job. functional yeah you have to be functional you never know who what you might have to do right jump mm-hmm. skip carry drag whatever it might be definitely dragging and yeah picking things up last thing you want to do is be not prepared to do mm-hmm. those type of movements cool but that, that's why i say and then um if you can, if you're looking to do an academy, um, get your EMT first and then do the academy because mm-hmm. some academies have EMT, some don't. But if yours has EMT, that's where a lot of people fell out. And I would do your EMT first just so it makes life a little bit easier when you're in the academy. Okay. Does it make it easier because, like, you know what you, to do? Because if you get certified before and then your academy has EMT, you already gone through the course. It's going to be the same course. It's just going to be mm. accelerated depending on the course you take. Right. And then you just, it's it's the same knowledge. It's the same information. And you just it already. It hurt to learn it twice. Yeah. And then like, if you, it's more like a refresher as well. Like you get to like pick up on things that you might've missed the first time right. and like, or if you didn't really understand a subject and you go through it a second time, like, okay, now like I get it. Right. Okay. So. Oftentimes in first responding in general, we'll stick with the fire side of it though. Presentation is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, unfortunately, um, the academy is the best shape you're going to be. That's the best presentation you're ever going to have when you get out of the academy. Mm-hmm. That's how it works out for most people. How important would you say the presentation is maybe just visually of a firefighter in terms of the uniform and the way they show up? I mean, it's it's very important. I mean, it's something that Cause I know you guys like pride on the cleanliness of your like Engin- your, your, your engines en- and your uniform, mm-hmm. and then just like the small details is what matters. Right, is something I was told a lot in the academy, and then as I living in the living in the firehouse and experiencing the culture, I definitely agree. It's always the small t- details that matter. Like just yeah. going and doing the extra mile. I know th- doing the extra mile and just really being just look professional. Look definitely. <laughs> I like to say when you look like you give a shit, other people give a shit, right? Mm-hmm. If you show up looking like a slob, people aren't going to take you people serious. People are going to tell. They're not going to take you serious. Yeah. And it's it's a bad rep on the community in general. Yeah, in and general. then it might create a bad reputation on your name in the firehouse as well. All right. That makes sense. Uh, 
one thing that I kind of thought of when you were explaining that was I don't know how many years ago I read it in actually Atomic Habits, one of the one of the books back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an English biking team. They sucked pretty mm-hmm. much, and they were always trying to win this big European bike race. I don't know exactly what it's called, um, and they didn't know what to do. And eventually, they were to a point where they weren't going to be a team anymore because they sucked so bad. Mm-hmm. But one coach came in and they decided to improve just one small detail every single day up until the race day. Right, small minor details as such as the way they stored the bikes, um, constantly keeping the storage of the bikes clean, um, maybe changing a certain rubber on the tires, um, certain gels that they use to massage their legs to recover faster, cold bath, ice bath, changing 1% every single day, the minor details, and it ultimately led to them winning multiple years in a row, Mm -hmm. right? Versus just focusing on the objective isn't going to get you anywhere. But when you make sure the system is built up on the minor details, and you focus on those little things and you make sure that they're always perfect as perfect as can be when the job comes to actually get to that objective it's a lot easier would you say that's true yeah and that's why, I think, part of I why think, you do that yeah i mean it's just building that foundation like the way you train is the way you're going to perform on the fire ground i mean don't train until you get it right once train until you can't get it wrong and just continue building that fail your way to success mm-hmm just continue having that foundation of skills because when you get that call at 3 a.m. and you're fumbling around doing whatever you got to do, I mean, you're just going to rely on your training. And then that's where muscle memory is going to kick in. And if you train so you can't get it wrong, you're going to perform that way on the fire ground compared right. to where you're trained. You got it right once. Okay, I know how to do it. And then it's going to show. So you and I absorbed our lives into bodybuilding for a while, right? Yeah. For a long time, we were really absorbed in the life of bodybuilding. I think I've trans because I understand it so much. I've been able to translate a lot of lessons I learned in the weight room to life. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is training to failure. And I think what people don't understand, if you go to the gym or if you've been to a gym before, you know what training to failure means. And you know why we need to do it. And I think people should translate that into all aspects of their life, but especially in this career, when you do your training, train until you can't get it wrong. Right? Train yep. to failure. Push yourself. If you fail at 10 reps, you fail at 10 reps. Next time, fail at 11. Fail mm-hmm. at 12. Fail at 13. That way you continue to constantly get better until you're just doing 100 reps in a row and it's like, shit, dude, like I got this. Mm-hmm. But then at that point, don't sleep on it. You know, still keep touching no. up on it. Yeah. Keep doing those movements. But yeah, I've been able to translate a lot of that into into life. So a little bit more on the presentation though, uh, more on the fitness aspect of it. I see a lot of people get comfortable in this field mm-hmm. and they start to let themselves go. Have you seen that personally? And maybe can you explain why? Why? Um, I'm not really sure. I think every person is different, has different goals, or they just hit a point in their career where, like you said, they get comfortable. Like, okay, like. Because my thing is I can't fathom necessarily the aspect of letting yourself get to a point where you can't physically do the job anymore when it could mean your life or someone else's. Even if you're in a higher position of, I don't know how the ranking system necessarily goes in fire, but Mm -hmm. for, for us, you know, sergeant, lieutenant whatever it might be mm-hmm. especially the higher you get the less that you really do physically do you think that's important to keep the fitness level up regardless i I mean i haven't seen that in any case at least where you work where i work i mean for example like my battalion chief he he's a chief you know he does like more mm-hmm. like office stuff but he still he goes to the gym before every shift he's there in the morning at six thirty, and he's already done his workout for the day Mm-hmm. So he wakes up pretty early, and then obviously, like when we have our night calls, he responds and all that as well. 
but I honestly don't see that in my department. I, I'm not sure why would people would let themselves get to there. I mean, they just, yeah. laziness is the only thing. It's unfortunate. Only thing I could think of, but yeah. So, given the physical aspect of it, and obviously we talked a little bit about the mental, which we'll get into more here in a bit. Mm-hmm. Would you say this job is more physical than mental? It's both. And maybe how much more than the other? Physical, as an aspect of like fighting fire, and picking people up and moving them. Mental, as in seeing the messed up calls, seeing. Mm-hmm the stuff that people don't want to see and being able to be okay, like mentally be okay after that. Right. I even, think both even, is very important. Even right now, obviously where fire is a little more higher in the summer, mm-hmm. you're probably getting a little more fire calls. Mm-hmm. Is it still more of the mental because you're mostly responding to medical cases and people with a medical emergency? I mean, those like bad, uh, medical calls that you get don't happen all the time it's right. once every once in a while depending on the area you work with at least in my area it's like the once every every once in a while um it's not like every call is super messed up you right. know like what you know like what am i seeing you know okay it's pretty mellow for the medicals at least um so i mean it's a late fire season and it's my first fire season so i haven't really seen anything too big i haven't gone on any strike teams where i we work those long hours but um i could definitely see how when you reach the point of physical exhaustion like is it am i going to break or am i going to keep going and keep working through it you so would I, hope that the will to live there right? yeah mm-hmm. so actually that kind of brought up a question that i thought about earlier we often talk about in this realm of life putting your brothers first Mm -hmm. so when it comes to those tough calls right i don't think civilian people necessarily understand the fact that we are willing to go back in and save our people more than we are regular people does that make Mm -hmm. sense how true is that to you 100 percent. i mean if someone if one of my brothers goes down and it did them or a civilian to say I'm hundred percent picking them. That's just right. That's just the way it is. It's and there's logical reasons to that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not an emo- necessarily totally emotional, but I think the aspect of that is is if you let that one firefighter die, now the hundreds of lives that he would have saved later on in his career are also going to go, mm-hmm. right? So saving him in general is more acceptable. Is that what you would say? That and it's just I know. I mean, I know this person. Like I. That right. I live with this, I spend more time with this person than I do my own family. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's definitely emotional as well. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I always used to wonder that when I wasn't part of this life, you know, I was questioning why they would do something like that. But now that I'm in it, I can see it 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's something that you don't understand. You might think we're messed up, whatever it might be. You don't understand until you're put into that position. And one thing is, is like, you, I spend more time with these guys than I do my own family. I'm, yeah. I'm, I eat more dinners, breakfast, lunches with them. I spend every a whole day I'm with them. Yeah. More than I'm, I see them more than my own family. So that, you know they are my family at this point. Right. So I mean I do I do anything for them. It's the natural response as mm-hmm. part of the pact, right? Yeah. To save your people first. That makes it makes sense to me. I just it came up in my head right now. So, what does a typical day look like in your twenty four hour shift? 
for this, explain this to someone who's maybe just coming on. They're barely getting their first firefighter job. So, first things first is I'll get there an hour early before my uh, shift starts. An hour? An hour. Okay. Um, you don't, if you're, if you're early, here's the thing. If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you don't show up. An hour. Okay. So, I'll get there an hour early. Um, I have my bags. I'll bring my bags in, set them in the dorms. And they'll say good morning to everyone as I say, as I enter. And then um, I'll go grab my Minotaur, which is like a little, how to explain it. It's a, it's a pager that goes off when we get toned out for calls. Okay. So I'll, I'll grab that. I'll go grab my gear, set it out in the apparatus bay, set it out. So just in case if we get a call, it's because we have a upstairs where we store our gear. It's downstairs. It's right there. I could just grab Ready it, throw it on. Or grab it, throw it on the engine, and hop on okay. um, if needed. So I'll do that. I'll say good morning to everyone. And then I'll start off with the morning chores. So I'll check in with the crew coming off and like, see if they need help getting any morning chores done that are done before pass on. Because, you know, sometimes you get swamped during the day. Yeah. And you end up the morning of when you get off having to catch up on reports if you don't get it done the day before or if you have a really busy night you the morning up when you get off you're doing reports so if they're busy doing reports i'll take care of the morning chores which is like just like putting the dishes away from the night before the regular keep up right mm-hmm. put the dishes away at, um i'll put new uh fill up like we have uh ice chest and all the engines so i'll dump out the old old warm water and then put in just fill it up with ice and put new water in it I'll do that for all the for all the engines and even like the chief rigs. Right. After that, I'll clean the bathrooms. So I'll go around cleaning the bathrooms, restocking toilet paper, towels, and like the um the hand soap dispensers. I'll refill those. Right. You know. So and, when you're not doing the actual calls, right, the cool stuff that everyone thinks they're gonna do all day long, mm-hmm. it's you're just doing, doing like housework. Yeah. Nice. It's just daily chores, daily cleaning. Yeah. Um, the department I work at. We're very hands-on and do a lot of right. uh, projects, so that's really nice because I'm not mechanically inclined at all. Yeah. Um, but I've learned a lot, and I'm learning a lot, which is really nice. The The guys there are really welcoming and really, like, if you take the initiative and show that you want to learn, they'll take you in and and teach, um, you. and teach you, which is really which is really good, and I appreciate that a lot. Right. So I'm like always the, grateful for that. Yeah. I've noticed that in parts of my career as well. So I really like that you're sharing that, and it was, that's actually exactly what I wanted to get mm-hmm. because I think when people that don't know anyone in the fire service, which you didn't know before, right? Mm-mm, I did so, not know anyone. But I'm assuming that's most people. Mm-hmm. So when they go in, a lot of them, I would say, are gung-ho, right? They're like, I can't wait to go fight fires all day, go out there and save lives. And then they come into a, a job or a department like yours, and they realize that they have to do regular chores. How do you think that might feel for someone who's super gung-ho? Did you have that feeling? Um, honestly, I was very shy. I was very shy and timid. So you were just like, "Fuck it, I'll do whatever." Uh, that's how I still am. I'll, I'll do whatever, and they tell me to do something, I'll do it without hesitation, no questions asked. You give yeah. me a task, I'll do it. You're the new boot. Yeah, I'm the yeah. I'm not probie because I'm not hired on, but I was just uh-huh. the, I was just the intern, you know, doing what's ex- expected of me and trying to accomplish more than what You're they expect. Your stripes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, just being the new guy. Mm-hmm. Um. For me, I was just shy and timid. I was quiet because just it, it um, differs from department to department. Every department has different culture yeah. and 
the way they treat their new people. But my department is very laid back and welcoming and they make you feel welcomed, which is there's not a lot of hazing going on. Yeah, they'll joke around and they'll like they'll make fun of you, make jokes, but it's yeah. not anything to where it hurts my feelings or it's it's just all part right. of the it's just part of that but brotherly bond that right. you're forming. Like and genuine bullying. There's no like Yeah, there's no like not anything bad or at least any stories that like I've heard of at least yeah. that what used to go down. But um I used to I was very shy and timid and like I was just I was a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. I if there I would ask what when needed to be done and they tell me and I get it done and then once you learn what your what your place is and what you're supposed to do you just kind of stop asking and you get you do what's done and on and then you just like help out with projects and stuff like that all right taking the initiative and yeah. your roles in helping mm-hmm. i think taking the initiative is very important and um don't be lazy that's okay. a big thing and a lot of like the people I mean, our age yeah. yeah that's people our age is they tend to be more lazy and more like yeah. not want to do things, get their hands dirty. And Are people you work with surprised, given your age, how mature and kind of, how would I say it, disciplined you are? No, because I feel like if you want, I feel like everyone else is on the same level if you want to do this as your career. Right. I, I get that part. They should expect you to be that way. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, seeing men and women our age it's almost shocking when you see someone as mature and disciplined as you are, wouldn't you say? And the only reason I say that is because I've noticed it where I work. Mm-hmm. People oftentimes forget there's a few young guys. I'm the youngest guy mm-hmm. on the crew. I'm only 20. And I hang out with all the 30-plus-year-olds, right, 40-year-olds. Yeah. And oftentimes they've told me that they forget how young I really am. That They think I have an old soul is what they call it, right? Like They oftentimes believe that I'm 30 mm-hmm. or even older, although I clearly look younger just based off the way that I act compared to the other young guys that are in our department who are still growing and maturing a little bit more. I mean, mature wise, I, I definitely see the difference between them and the, and me, the, the older guys. I'm not as matured and right. not as seasoned as they are, obviously, but I think that just comes with time. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. I think it just comes with time and living life. Is it living? Yeah. Yeah. And experiencing. Well, a job like that is definitely yeah. going to grow you. Yeah, a lot yeah. faster. I feel like in the past year, in the setting that I've worked, I've matured. Dude, it genuinely feels like at least three years. It should, right? Like I, mean, I feel like yeah. I went from nineteen to twenty-five, like mm-hmm. within a year. It's crazy how it works, and it's inevitable. You can't really go around that. Mm-hmm. So if you're not ready for that, don't do it. You know, if you're gonna get into this field around this age, and you're still in that, I mean, don't get me wrong, you can still have a good time. You can still go out with friends and have yeah. fun, but you're gonna get put into schedules that you're not always going to have the choice to get, right? Especially in my job, you don't really get to pick, especially mm-hmm. in your first, like, year or two. Yeah. You don't really have a choice. You're going to work the the shit mm-hmm. into the stick. Yeah. And you got to be ready to do things like that. You got to be ready to come in on days off. You got to be, be ready to go in and do trainings when you don't have to do the trainings, but taking that initiative to go do those things and taking that time to invest in yourself so you don't die, right? That's mainly the main thing. So you don't die and so your brothers don't die. You're yeah. continuing to get better, and taking that time to get better, you got to be able to put that first yeah. before you go out there and put your social life. And you can still have a social life because I know you've been able to balance that. I I know you, um, but there's often times where you won't always have that balance. Yeah, and it's um a lot of missed family parties, vacations, birthdays, anniversaries. I mean, 
I've just started and I've already missed a lot of things and it's something I knew that was gonna happen going into it. I accepted yeah. it and I'm okay with that. I think and it's I, good to understand that most people also understand, right? When and, you're in this job, they're like, Okay, I get it. You know, he's And then there. like I said, like your your yeah. brothers at work, they are in the same boat as you. Mm-hmm. They understand and not alone. That's that's a great resource to use. I mean I use them a lot and I and I rely on them for like advice on how to t- approach things, how to tackle things in life. I mean, they've been in the same situation that I am and right. they are excellent resources, honestly. So up to this point, I would say that it's important, given what you've already told me, it's important mm-hmm. to ask the right questions or ask questions at all, right? Don't feel, I, don't feel dumb asking questions. There's no such thing as a dumb question. It's, it's dumb to not ask the question. Yeah, it's better to ask a million questions and have you understand what's going on and yeah. what you're doing and the reason, the why's behind it. Because when it when it matters out in the like when you're out on the job and doing it, like you you know what you're doing. And it can mean life. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. And then it's just better that you understand. I mean, right. I when I started off, I was asking a thousand questions every day. Why this? Why that? Just to understand the reasoning. And someone it. who actually cares. They're not going to laugh. You know, mm-hmm. the, even at the simplest question, right? They're yeah. going to explain it to you with passion, right? And I feel like a lot of the guys where you work are like that. Yeah. I don't know who said this quote, and I don't really know it exactly, but it goes something like, if you ask a, a dumb question once, they'll laugh at you for a second. If you don't ask the question at all, you're going to be a fool for eternity, mm-hmm. right? So it's important to ask questions. Oftentimes, there's a lot of fear associated with the jobs that we do, you know, going into a burning building, going out there to save a kid from a car crash. Mm -hmm. Whatever it might be, there's some scary things that we have to put ourselves in front of to save random people that we don't even know. Would you be able to describe that fear of maybe going into a burning building or having that life or flight, that flight instinct turned on or survival instinct turned on to actually save someone that you don't even know? I think it's a big adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. Honestly, is what is a big part of it. But I think one major thing is I'm young, so I don't really care. Right. At the end of the day, compared to someone who's older yeah. and who has like, who has kids and like, oh, like, am I really gonna like? I mean, Risk they're gonna it. do it at the end of yeah. the day, but they'll probably think twice compared to me, who's like, oh, like, nothing to lose. In a yeah, sense. I have nothing to lose in a sense. I don't. I don't. I mean, yeah, I have like my family, but I don't have any kids. I don't have a wife. Um. Yeah. I won't think twice about it, but. I well, think at that aspect is just relying on your training and listening to what to what orders you're given and mm-hmm. doing your job is the biggest thing. I mean, I'm an overthinker. Right. I'll hundred percent. Um, I overthink everything, but <clears throat> anxious. Yeah, I, I get anxious. I mean, a little nerve. Right. I, I get a little nervous, but I think that's just because of how new I am. And I think that's also human instinct, dude. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. anyone. No one should want to run into a burning building. I know sometimes firefighters talk about like, oh, you love structure fires, all that. Mm-hmm. But you, inside, you don't want to run into that building because, you know, at any point uh, it could at any point yes, that building could fall or you can. Yeah, you've talked about those weird spiral fire things to me before. They can kill you in like seconds or you get trapped in whatever it might be. I get the adrenaline part of it, but deep down inside, there's always that. I might not come out of this. There's there's many factors that play into it. And like I mean, you're not gonna run into every burning building. You have to be smart. You know, you have to read the building. What is this? Bu- right. What is this building gonna do? Is it gonna collapse? We're not gonna enter if it's gonna collapse. Right. Stuff like that. I mean, just those those calls are made by, you know, like your captain or if your chief is on scene, okay. your chief or battalion chief, whoever, 
is uh, the IC is going to make those calls. But that's what, I mean, you're always, I mean, that's what they're there for. But, you know, you're also keeping an eye out. You're also looking at the environment, what you're doing. You're being observant and aware of what's going on just in case because those are dynamic situations and dynamic situations are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you always have to be aware of what's going on and like understand fire behavior and all that. But for me, it's more like I don't get scared. It's more the fact that am I going to fuck up? Like, am I going to do this wrong? Like, I just where I, that's where I'm like, just cause I'll agree. I'm going to mess up. I've, okay. I've messed up, but I think that's what's being new is, is just messing up, learning from my, um, from learning my from mistakes, mistakes yeah. and then becoming better and not dwelling on it. That's something a firefighter has, right. uh, one of my senior firefighters told me, he's like, you make a mistake, don't dwell on it. Cause that will eat you up. Yeah. And then one thing I've noticed is that fear kills more people mm-hmm. than action. So actually taking that action will save lives. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might get you killed. Sometimes it might get someone hurt. Sometimes you might make a mistake. Mm-hmm. But not doing anything at all because of fear or running in and doing it anyway because even though you're scared and timid mm-hmm. can get you really hurt. And that, I think I think yeah. if you're scared and timid, that's just going to get, like you said, it's going to get you hurt as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's just where that muscle memory and relying on your training comes in place because right. at that point you're thinking, but you're just – I don't know how to explain it. It's like you're going through the motions. You're like, okay, like it's funny because things that were instilled in me from my academy, I say it to myself when I'm pulling hose, right. when I'm about it, you know, masking up. I'm like, okay, my seal's good. This and this. I'm like checking things off, and then asking for water. Water's coming to my mm-hmm. uh, to my line, and I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready to enter. And it's just funny because like those like academy habits, like that's where that training and that muscle memory comes in place, and then. New habits I picked up being at my department. That it's fully I, trusting those things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like new habits I picked up from being at the department. Things that those guys have showed me that I didn't learn in the academy. Little tips and tricks right. helps out as well, and just continue bound, building up my foundations and really growing my skill set. Okay, at what point would you cut someone off though because of fear? Because it in the army, right? Their parachuting teams. I don't know what it's called. Their parachute team. Like the PJs? Yeah. Okay. So when they, when you're going through the training and stuff, obviously you have to jump out of a freaking airplane. Yeah. The first time, if you're too scared and you don't do it, they give you a pass. But the second time, they cut you off completely. Because they're saying if you're not going to do it the second time, you're not going to do it ever. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's true in fire? Maybe the someone gets too scared, they don't act, you give them a second chance, then how many chances do you really give them before you're like, okay, you're not cut out for this? Um. I'm not really too sure. I haven't experienced. You don't have that. to give like an exact number. I'm just mean more yeah. like there is a point where it's like, hey, like you might need to reconsider. I think it's that's a pretty good question. Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't seen that or experienced that personally. Right. It just depends how how bad you mess up. Like, you really not got to know what you're doing to get that point. Like, it's okay. It's not that complicated i just mean more of like the fear aspect like you freeze and it's like hey juan run into the building and you're just like frozen you know i'm sure there's gonna be a stern talking to but what about the second time you know i think the second time i think probably reconsider what you're doing if you're that scared but yeah i don't think i've ever heard of anyone being that scared or right that because usually people in this in this field are go-getters and like they see it right. they're gonna do it they're not gonna 
it's just those certain people what, what i think of is like you think like you said you think you know what you're going to be doing mm-hmm. until you see that burning building yeah and you're like oh never mind mm-hmm. right because obviously you train in the academy but it's all controlled yeah now when you're out there in the field it's not so controlled depending how big it might be mm-hmm. you just never know and i think the first time you see something that massive you know for example the, it's it's a bad I don't, I don't want to say it's a bad example it's a good example but it's a bad time in our history but 9-11 right mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would have ever expected that to happen no but those firefighters that were running into the building I don't believe there's any that were scared to run into the building but imagine that right imagine having to run into that building and you're like oh mm-hmm. oh this is what I signed up for mm-hmm. right like this is as worse as it gets that's kind of like the example I was trying not to get to but <laughs> We'll move on from that. Uh, I think it's important. What I got from that is typically if you're going into this field, you shouldn't be the fear and timid type. Although you fear is real. You have yeah. it. But it's actually attacking that and being that go-getter that's going to – creating that action that's going to kill that fear. I think, like I've said multiple times, I think that training is just relying on that training. training. I mean, you always re- you always revert back to your training. But how much training – are you really getting because i know you obviously have the academy it's a few months long how often are you training on the job on the job i mean we work on different training scenarios <clears throat> shift to shift like we'll do different things because i know the funding isn't very great that's what i was trying to get at like you don't have any like structured training right like Mm-mm. you guys go out to courses or a different department to learn or whatever it might be um that is just that will vary from department to department but like we'll like obviously you obviously have like pull lines and then you'll work on like pulling hose and strategies and like movement and ways to attack it and like we'll also do um like scene size ups and like we'll pull up an image from google and like okay what would you do in this situation and like you'll like explain okay. and then your captain will listen to you like right. for your thought process and then you'll listen to like everyone else's thought process and like two people can have like two different methods of attacking it mm-hmm. both are not wrong i mean both are right it's just different ways to skin the cat it's just a okay so you guys been able to manage the training pretty well you yeah can, it's pretty it's, do you think more funding would help you guys would do definitely like cooler stuff definitely like, like more props and stuff like that like a right a roof prop would be pretty cool practice like doing like roof ventilations but at my department where we don't go on the roof all that often to be honest we just okay. attack the seat of the fire and then put it out but I mean, yet again we don't have our the houses in our jurisdiction are pretty small so it's not like it's okay. yeah we're finding anything too big yeah. it's just because oftentimes i know in law enforcement the controversy is finding enough funding right mm-hmm. enough training mm-hmm. although they don't give us enough funding for training they want us to train more and it's kind of scary the minimal requirements of training that goes into law enforcement now, oftentimes you see departments just meeting the minimum standards do you think that's because it's just the lack of the size of the department and like uh, the no. size of the city. I think it's the lack of people necessarily the the publicity of it, right? Like the mm-hmm. states don't want to give this money necessarily okay. all the time because mm-hmm. people won't support it, right? I think there's yeah. more people out there that do support it, but let's face it, it's the people that don't support it that are actually speaking out than the people that do support it, right? You mm-hmm. get the few people like you and I, our family members that do support law enforcement and would back them, but oftentimes you don't get those people talking out loud right wanting to go to events and and generate money for these departments and that's why we lack a lot of that that training it's also really expensive mm-hmm. you know and it's hard to find that funding and we can't get that funding without people supporting it 
we just don't have that vocal voice, mm-hmm. which hopefully what we're doing here, right? Yeah. We're creating that vocal voice for people like you to hopefully bring more attraction to our community and then give us some more training so we don't die. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I kind of want to kind of wrap this up, bring this more to a little bit of a conclusion. You're really early on into your career. Yeah. Less than a year. I don't know what you see in the future. We don't know what might happen. But as of right now, what does 10 years from now look like? Are you going to be a leader in some aspect of the job? Are you going to just be, I don't want to say just, but is there a certain position where you want to be in? Because I don't know if you watched Maverick. You did watch Maverick, right? How when they talked to him in that one scene where they're like, hey, you could be like a two or three star admiral right now. And he walks out of the the office saying, I'm a pilot, right? Even though he's been there for decades, Mm -hmm. he's a pilot. Do you think that's kind of where you're at? Maybe not yet, but you see yourself in that position where like, this is what I want to do. I want to be an engineer. This is what I want to do. Honestly, I haven't put that much thought into it. Mm -hmm. I just been just trying to grow and build my foundation as best as I can right now. And just being a little bit better every shift. I haven't looked into that far and decided like, oh, I only want to be this or, oh, I want to be this. I just taking it as it comes. And would you take that leadership position if it comes up? If I'm qualified, if I believe I'm qualified for it, yes. Right. But, so what would that mean, though? Do you think leaders are born or made? Do you think you get build up to that point? Or do you think there's people that just aren't cut for it in general? I think it's a bit of both. Okay. I think it just depends on your personality. And then obviously the leadership role comes with time and experience on the job. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think it's both for sure. Okay. One of the big things that I've seen that I kind of want to get your perspective from is getting help in this field. Mm-hmm. Right. And oftentimes there's a lot of stigma in the field that we're in, in terms of getting help and maybe the things that we see on a day-to-day basis and overall mental health, right? I saw some pretty scary statistics when I was doing some research, and it's 47% of firefighters specifically. We're not even counting EMTs or law enforcement. 47% of firefighters consider suicide throughout their career. 19% make a plan. And this is these are 2019 facts, by the way. So yeah. they're not even necessarily up to date. And 16% followed through with it. Obviously, we talked about the emotional and the physical aspect, but to me, it sounds like this is this job considers a lot more emotional aspect than physical mm-hmm. when it comes to it. Obviously, you need the physical to, yeah. to come through and do the job properly. But emotionally, I think there's a lot of back-end things that we don't do to actually be better. What is your department doing right now to maybe better that aspect of it? So um, <clears throat> I think my, my department's pretty good. The guys are really open about talking about mental health um a lot of guys are open to it not no right. one's like closed off our chief is well, both good. our chiefs are really good and er- everyone's super open which is amazing because um that's rare i think yeah. in a lot of places actually i think in recent times with all this um stats coming up i think a lot more departments are being pushing with more mental awareness and right recently um in my academy it was pushed on us um uh, from the from the beginning um like take care of your mental health and all that it was constantly said throughout our academy which is i mean the academy is where you start right so just hearing about that was um you get exposed to it and you're like okay like you hear it and then you get on the job and you start to understand you start seeing those messed up things and you start Mm -hmm. and you start to process it uh me i mean i'm still learning how to how to recover and how to like cope with it with the cope with it yeah. just because of how new i am um because you talked about it earlier right we get into this job to help people mm-hmm. 
last thing we want to do is get out of this job needing help. Mm-hmm. So we want to do our best we can to to fix that in the actual act of doing the job, right? Mm-hmm. Throughout your career and getting better. Can you see this in yourself already? And the things I know you were just talking about how you're finding ways to cope with it. Yeah, I mean, I talk about it a lot with the guys. Like after we have a bad call, um, we'll sit down, have a talk about it, and let it out the day of or the day after. It's good. You need the faster you do it, the better. Yeah, um, letting it soak. And then, like, even if I still need to talk about it, which has happened to me, I've talked to. Yeah. Even like weeks after a call, I've had to talk to some guys about it still who were on the call with me, and mm-hmm. they still sat down, talked to me, and really just, just let it out. Um, which is great. I'm always super grateful for that. Um, even then, like, I noticed, like, I follow a lot of, like, social media pages, and a lot of, like, social media pages are starting to push more mental health awareness and, like, like lines and ways to get help and ways mm-hmm. to, you know, notice signs of being burnt out and mm-hmm. stress and accumulation and all that. Um, my department has, like, like we'll put out like websites of like oh like are these signs and like we'll have trainings on them as well like make sure you're okay yeah that's good that you guys are adapting to that because mm-hmm. unfortunately a lot of people aren't focusing on that mm-hmm. i think it's becoming more present like you said especially in smaller communities like this with the bigger cities unfortunately they're not catching up which i don't know why because they have more money than us. i feel like i mean from what i've noticed i feel like in the fire side i feel like those bigger communities um have been noticing and like have been Proactive. Slowly, but I think yeah. these smaller communities are kind of because they're like you said they're a lot more closer. It's more of a brotherly bond rather than a lot of these bigger cities are more of like fat paychecks, right? They don't really they're like yeah, fuck, I don't care what I saw today. I'm getting a nice check, right? Do you think that's the case in some places? Mm, some places, yeah, but I don't think every department is like that. Every basic. Oh no, no, of course no, because mm-hmm. yours is a good example of how it's not. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I'm going to ask you a couple more questions just because I want to pick your mind a little bit more. But before we get into that, because I'm not going to take up too much of your time, you talked a little bit on decompression. And I think it's important that we touch on that just for anyone getting into the service mm-hmm. and maybe someone who hasn't thought about it, who's already years into it. What is your magic chair is what it's called. Like what is your, this is how I decompress. You said some people sleep. Like for me on graveyard shift, I could come home and just go straight to sleep and wake up and be mm-hmm. okay. Right on day shift, I like to come home and like either work out or read. That's kind yeah. of like my magic chair. For me, I don't really have like a specific thing. Mm-hmm. For me, as long as I get what helps me the best is just getting my mind off of things. And like if it's something bad, I'll talk about it right. and get it out. But it's just like being active. I don't really care what it is. It's just as long okay. as I'm out playing sports, working out. Like I. Something that actually requires your mind to yeah. go do something. Mm-hmm. As long yeah, as I, I, feel, I feel that there. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's what works best with me. I haven't really nailed down exactly what, but everything like it doesn't just, always have to be something specific. You no, know? It's, it's just for a lot of guys like tradition. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a lot of males would come home, sit on the couch, especially in the old days, turn on the sports channel and sit there for an hour and watch sports. Right before yeah. they can even function, right before they can even have a genuine conversation with yeah. someone. They need to like sit there and just get their mind completely off of things. Actually, now that you you mentioned that, I I don't know why I just not realized this, but one thing for sure is a must for me is a uh, music and sitting in my car. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is like on the car ride home. I'll either I'll listen to music, just decompress, and then once I get home, I'll sit in the car, 
10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes sometimes and just sit there in silence. And I just yeah. just kind of gather my thoughts, just kind of leave work at work and yeah. then try to bring home and just try to leave that at work as much as I can. And then, then I'll get down. Then I'll start Dude, bringing down my stuff. I love that you said that just because the 30 minutes specifically of silence, right? I, I need that. That's yeah, a must for that me. That 30 minutes of silence is so important because as humans and as males, mm -hmm. we need to be able to like, think like really deep think about what we're thinking about in that moment because i don't want to speak for you but for me when i get off work i feel like i have like 120 tabs open like i'm just like cluttered yeah, sometimes I, I and i need to sit there and close those tabs like what do i need to keep open what don't i need open because my mind is just like fuzzy is how i can explain it and you then, need that time to think yeah deep and think and quiet and for me like as an intern i, I was working uh 48s mm -hmm. so i mean that was just like, I would, oh, man, I would uh, like sit there in the in my garage because I park my garage, my mm -hmm. car in the garage. I sit there and then I would just reflect on my shit. Like, okay, it's good. How did I do? And then just reflect like, what what could I improved on? Did I did I put my hundred and ten percent? Did I check off all my boxes? I was just trying to like reflect and go mm -hmm. through. I'm like, okay, what can I do better next time? Right. Thinking, then, thinking. I think people really underestimate, just because. Personally, I think it's like 90% of it. I mm -hmm. really do. I think thinking and theory is 90% of the equation. The other 10% is actually acting, which yeah. that 10% is a lot more dense and is really important because without the action, you the thinking is pointless. But you're someone who takes that into action, you know, not mm -hmm. just sit there and think all day. But you need that thinking time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely needed. And then mm -hmm. I just kind of like ground myself and think, okay, what do I need to do? Like now my time off and then... Okay. I got my second job. Okay, I got work from this to this. Okay, can I squeeze a workout in be before work? Can I get a meal in? Okay, I don't have time for a meal. I just have to work out fasted, like yeah. just stuff like that. I feel it. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, so we're gonna bring this to a quick close. We'll make this like a a five minute conversation. Okay. What you would do this? Think of these people. I'm gonna give you an example of certain people and give the best advice you can. Okay, advice for people considering this job. Um. I think it's a I love this career it's a fantastic career to get into but it's definitely not for the money it's for the, for the yeah, passion. There's better things you could do for money right? yeah there's way better things you could do for the money um I think it's definitely for the passion and feeling because I, I knew I wanted to do join a career where I would feel satisfied and feel like I'm making a difference and this is definitely the a career to consider mm -hmm, if you're okay. thinking about doing it people in the academy um, just keep your mouth shut, do what you're told, get your work done, take care of yourself, prioritize sleep, and then just get in shape. So like, like kind of kick ego out the door. And yeah, just... kick ego out the door, leave it out, right. and just go in there. I think for me, it's, it was one of those hard things at first. I mean, I've been able to manage it for the past couple of years, mm -hmm. but being an athlete and knowing that I was at least a decent athlete. I always walked into certain buildings like knowing that like yeah I got this like I could do this like I yeah. always let my athletics carry me in all aspects of life mm -hmm. and there's times where I realize that that's not always the case mm -hmm. now you have to kick that ego out the door and and learn people looking for work so kind of out of the academy well I'm in that situation so you got a job <laughs> not full time I get it but you know no, just I'm looking not. for a department is that how I should say what should they look for in terms of culture and environment i mean i definitely like would do ride-alongs with departments that you're hiring do station go. visits you know 
so they could have a name to the face and they mm-hmm. could kind of get to know you if you're going through the process mm-hmm. with them and get that vibe uh-huh and then just go to these different departments do different ride-alongs and see which kind of department fits you i mean you may get it you may not you know mm-hmm. that's just kind of like that's what you know you want the job yeah and if you get it phenomenal you know freaking congrats but i think just keep chipping away at it just keep applying keep applying keep applying keep okay. trying what advice would you give to anyone in a leadership position i know you love your leaders that you have now your chiefs mm-hmm. and all of that say they weren't the best what would you what do you look for in a leader and what should someone else look for in a leader mm, someone who's um calm cool collected like someone who's not just like yelling out things just to yell out mm-hmm. things and are all clustered up or right. like does that make sense? Maybe if, like, you could tell that they're not really enjoying it, right? Like Not super... enjoying it, but, like, just, like, stressed out. And, like, cause, like right. if a leader's stressed out, it's going to it's gonna show. And then the crew is going to yeah. feel it, like, just being cool, calm, and collected. Because leaders are the example, right? Mm-hmm. So if just they're like lead by everywhere, ex- the team is everywhere. Yeah, just lead by example. Um, I don't know. I just think everyone in my department does a pretty good job, so. You've, kind of a, you've been fortunate to have a really good experience. Yeah, I've been pretty fortunate yeah. and pretty grateful for that. That's awesome. Well, Juan, that's all I have for you today. I appreciate thank your you. time, and I'm sure anyone watching this or listening to this appreciates it as well. So mm-hmm. thank you, and I hope to have you again a couple years down the road when you're yeah. a lot more experienced, you have a lot more stories to tell. And this was great, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Bye. Adios.